Hey, teacher friends, Noelle here, popping in before the episode to make sure you know about our new math membership, All Access. All Access is a membership for middle school math and Algebra 1 teachers that provides ready-to-go resources that are aligned to the standards, engaging, and rigorous, so that you're not constantly reinventing the wheel or scouring the internet to find the materials you need. We are excited about the community that we are building with like-minded educators and supporting the work that you are doing in the classroom. Now, you might be asking yourself, what makes All Access different? And I think the biggest difference is the new student video library that we will begin rolling out in September. You can find out more about All Access and watch several videos on how it works by visiting maneuveringthemiddle.com slash all dash access. Okay, let's get to the show. Good morning, teacher. I'm Noelle Pickering. On the Good Morning Teacher podcast, we bring practical solutions to busy teachers because you can love your job and leave your work at school. Join us each week to talk through tools and strategies that help you maximize your time and effort both in the classroom and at home. I'm excited to cheer you on as you face the week ahead. teachers, you're listening to episode 24. Last week, I shared all about All Access, our new membership for middle school math and Algebra 1 teachers, and we are just so excited and thrilled to share with you. If you haven't been able to listen, you can do so in your favorite podcasting app or by going to maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode 23. Today is so exciting because we have another teacher interview, and I am just thrilled to introduce to you Marissa McCarthy. She teaches sixth grade in Ohio, and you are going to love hearing her story. You can tell that she must have a warm and inviting classroom and that her students love being there. She'll share how she differentiates with small groups, how she's utilizing maneuvering the middle resources to plan effectively, and she's just a wealth of knowledge. You're going to also love her upbeat attitude, and I am just so thankful that she took the time to be on the show and that y'all are going to get a peek into her classroom. Let's go ahead and jump in. Marissa, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Um, for those of you listening, Marissa is uh, super active in our Maneuvering the Middle Facebook group and just such a positive and encouraging teacher. I know that you're going to love hearing from her. Um, she teaches sixth grade math. I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit more, Marissa, but I just am, I know teachers are going to be super excited to hear from you. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, my name is Marissa McCarthy. Uh, I'm originally from Ohio, but I moved to uh, Florida to begin my teaching career. And I was there for nine years. I mostly taught um, seventh grade advanced math, which is the seventh and eighth grade curriculum and algebra one. Uh, and one year, I also got to teach a class of geometry, which was really interesting because there were only three students in the class. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a really cool experience. Um, and I also earned my master's in gifted education when I was down there and became like extremely passionate about coaching our school's math counts team with one of my good friends and colleague. And uh, four years ago, I moved back to Ohio and I'm teaching sixth grade math. Awesome. Okay, math counts, that's such a neat thing to do. Do you still do that in Ohio now? I don't, I don't. I have branched out to other 
positions at my school. Yes, I'm sure. Um, and how many years have you been teaching sixth grade again? This is my fourth year. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, one thing that we kind of struggle with as teachers is meeting the needs and all the various needs of um, the students in our classroom. Can you share with us just real generally how you differentiate in your classroom since you have this um, good, solid background of all these different years of teaching? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my favorite way to differentiate or the way that I feel like I do it the best is definitely utilizing small groups in my classroom. Um, I also like to have enrichment opportunities available all the time when my students are ready for them, especially sixth graders. I love that they always seem excited to embrace a challenge. Yes. So that's been, that's been really fun. I also use a lot of my formative test data to like reteach and reassess my small, uh, you know, small groups of students that need it. Uh -huh. And then giving students choice is another, I think, student favorite way of differentiating. It's not something I use all the time, but it's definitely something I want to use more. Okay. So um, I'm assuming that, you know, we know kids love having choice. And so what <laughs> you said, you've kind of been trying that out. What does that look like? Or is there any like practical ideas or things you've tried? Yeah. Um, I guess the, the simplest way is just like giving them choice in how they um, practice the content, whether okay. it's a digital way or paper pencil based way. Um, I've also given them choice within classroom projects that they can choose which project they do or with it. If everyone's doing the same project, they have different choices they can make along the way, um, such as a statistics project when you're comparing weather in two different places, uh -huh. they can choose, you know, yeah. what place. Yeah. So just, you know, little things here and there. Well, and I think that's so important that one, you know, differentiation and also student choice, like they can be small things. They don't have to be this like very large, um, you know, a whole different lesson. Like there's a lot of small ways to do that. Um, Absolutely. So let's say a teacher's listening and they maybe really, that's one goal that they want to do this year is really focus on differentiating. What like just general tips might you have for them? Um. Great question. Um, I would say that it definitely gets easier, like as the school year goes on and you get to know your students really well and their strengths and their weaknesses. Uh -huh. um, another tip, just, you know, use your formative assessments, um, which you're doing all the time, whether you realize it or not, and let that help you determine how you want to differentiate. Um, I don't do it for all of the units, but there's a couple sixth grade units that I always pretest because mm -hmm. they come to sixth grade with a lot of foundational knowledge. And I'll try to use that pretest data to determine if there are certain things that we don't need to cover again, or if there's certain things that I can enrich and kick up a notch. But I would say the biggest tip is just don't reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, use resources that are already written um, and maybe just think of it one unit at a time and just pick one way that you want to differentiate within that unit. Don't overwhelm yourself and think of it as something that you have to be constantly worrying about every time. Think of it just as one unit or one group of standards at, at a time. Yeah, I love that. And I love, you know, I think if we think, oh, I'm going to do this this year, it seems very overwhelming. But I love when you just said, like, try and choose 
think of it as one unit at a time and then also be real selective. Like, like you said, there's certain units that it will be naturally easier to do that with. I think about like, um, you know, any number and operation skill in sixth grade, like they come with some foundation. Now it, it could be really different um, where they're where, like the background knowledge that they have, but it lends itself to that. So that's awesome. Exactly. Those are the exact units I was referring to. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, okay. Well, one thing you mentioned with small groups a few minutes ago, and mm -hmm. I agree that that is such a, like, I don't want to say easy, but like natural way to differentiate for students. Um, can you kind of tell me about your small group routine? And if you want to refer to like pre-COVID or pre, uh, you know, hybrid learning, that's totally fine. Um, but just kind of walk us through that. Yeah, absolutely. So before the pandemic, I <laughs> would divide my classes into either four or five groups, depending on the class size. And I would choose the groups just based on student needs. Mm -hmm. And I actually just printed the groups in colors, in really large font, and would hang it on the wall near my small group table. To make it easy for me, I could just say, oh, can I meet with the purple group now, please? And then um, I would try to keep the groups the same for an entire quarter, but I could always make changes if I needed to. Um, it really just depends on what you're doing with the group. So sometimes I would use my groups and introduce new content. Mm -hmm. Other times we were practicing previously taught skills. And then sometimes I was using groups for like reteaching after yeah. an assessment. Yeah. So, um, I think when we were practicing previously taught skills, that's when I was differentiating the most. Um, it could be as simple as more or less time with certain groups. Some mm -hmm. groups will get a lot more of my attention. Others didn't need it as much. I could also then take it higher or lower for certain groups. Um, I also just loved having them practice right in front of me because I could catch their misconceptions in real time. So that was huge. The yeah. other goal I set for myself was trying to keep a really consistent schedule. Um, so I would do small groups twice a week, but I understand that that might not be possible for everyone. So I actually have two classes that are co-taught, okay. which is amazing because I'm not the only teacher pulling the groups. Sure. So I obviously can get through more. Um, I also had a student teacher in the fall of 2019. And so there were three of us pulling groups. Which That's was, amazing. <laughs> it was a dream. Like, it was a false reality for sure. <laughs> when yes. she left, it was a, you know, snap back into <laughs> real world. Um, so if you're a teacher that's looking to differentiate with small groups, um, but you don't have a co-teacher or a student teacher, I would say just set the goal at maybe once a week and accept the fact that it could take you two class periods to get through all of your groups. So mm -hmm. whenever I'm doing it on my own, it usually takes two days. Um, and But it's totally worth it, for it sure. Really, it really is. It's amazing what, you know, just a small amount of time, but very focused with much fewer kids, like how much more progress you can make than, you know, a traditional setting. So, exactly. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So, okay. Well, I know I'm I'm going to ask you some questions that I am no other teachers are thinking right now. First, <laughs> I'm sure they want to know how long is your class period. <laughs> um, I want to say 58 minutes. Okay. Okay. So under an hour. Yep. So it's doable. You can do a small group in under an hour. For sure. Um, and then, 
how long would you generally say like you aim for a small group? I know you said, you know, differentiating by time, but Mm -hmm. what would you say is kind of your goal? Um, I'd say 15 minutes. Okay. Give or take a couple. Okay. And then the last question I know everyone's thinking is what is everyone else doing while you're with a small group? That's a wonderful question. And honestly, that is the biggest struggle Mm -hmm. is managing that. So it's definitely important to like get up and take a lap between groups (laughs) or proximity is everything. Um, Being really deliberate about if they're working individually or with a partner. Mm -hmm. And um, you you just have to know your classroom. Um, Some groups are, you know, they can handle picking a partner, others they can't. So a lot of times when they were not with me, um, they were working on either the paper or the digital maneuvering the middle resources and practicing previously taught skills. Mm -hmm. Um, Other times it might be um, time to work on like a performance task or a small project related to that unit. So it was very self-paced. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely hard to manage, but it's, Again, like you were saying, it's worth it to have that time with your small groups too. Yes, yes. And I think, you know, kind of like you said at the beginning, thinking of something as like one unit at a time, if you think of it as like one class period or one week at a time, it's not going to be perfect, but everyone gets better with practice. You in the Mm -hmm. classroom pulling the small groups, but your kids too, like they kind of get used to the routine. um, Absolutely. Awesome. Um, okay. Well, that's super helpful. Uh, I'm sure everyone's kind of thinking about how that could apply to their classroom. Uh, since you have taught multiple grade levels of math, uh, can we chat about vertical alignment for a little bit? Um, how, how has your background really helped you now that you're teaching sixth grade? Uh, yes. Uh, vertical alignment is not something I realized would be so valuable, Um, But I feel really lucky that I've taught all of the middle school standards and algebra one and geometry because when I moved down to six, I I just naturally knew where the standards were going over the next couple of years so I could easily just enrich the curriculum. Yeah. Um, I can give you a really specific example. Yeah, please. We'd love that. Yeah. So when we were doing our unit on writing algebraic expressions and equations, Um, one of my favorite units in Algebra 1 was systems of equations. So in sixth grade, when we're learning to write equations and expressions for the very first time, I was able to pull some of my favorite systems of equations problems and show them, okay, now look at this. This comes from Algebra 1, and you have the skill set to set up the two equations, and they were able to do that. And then some of them were even able to solve and get a solution to the system, which is just such a cool thing to watch. Yes. And obviously like those moments have to be reserved when you know the challenge is appropriate. And, but, oh my gosh, it's just so cool. Just showing them things that are beyond grade level and letting them run with it. And of course they're not, you know, they're not necessarily solving it the way that you'd present it in an algebra one classroom, but they're still arriving at the solution, which is so cool. Yes, yes. I kind of think of it as like, you know, you're you're kind of giving them this bigger picture of like what you're learning now has like application going forward. It's hard to do that um, all the time, but those are kind of really cool little examples where um, not only does it help to, that you've taught it, but it gives 
your students an idea of kind of where the where we're going with this. So exactly. So, yeah, like even greatest common factor. Um, I showed them some polynomials, and we, oh. you know they've just had so much fun with that. Well, I mean that's how I interpret it at least. <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, it's always, it's very cool to, you know, show them where it's going. Yes, yes. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, oh. oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say something that just popped into my mind, too, is not necessarily the importance of knowing where it's going, but I had the opportunity two years ago to spend the morning watching fifth grade math. Oh, yeah. And, oh, my gosh, my <laughs> mind was blown. Like, I learned so much in that morning. I was actually overwhelmed because I was... I understood like why some of my students were approaching problems certain ways. I even learned some vocab that I had never heard of before. Maybe I did in fifth grade and I forgot. So I highly recommend that if you've never been able to like watch the grade level below or above you to ask your administration if there's any way that you can uh, make that happen because it's it's extremely enlightening. Yes, yes. I I can totally relate to that, especially, and I think there is that bridge between like fifth and sixth grade. There's a lot of new content that's delivered in fifth grade, like just new, or I'm sorry, sixth grade, new standards, new, like whole new concepts. Um, and so when you have a really good understanding of where they're coming in fifth grade, I, I totally agree. Um, and that reminds me and that back um, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. We interviewed Brittany Heggie and she talks about fourth and fifth grade math and just how helpful that is. Um, so yes, mm -hmm. I, I completely agree. Um, I completely agree. Uh, and I think that's really important. One thing you also mentioned is just like asking, you know, I don't, some schools have this culture of, you know, that that is normal. Like, oh, going and watching someone is totally normal and that's just kind of part of the culture. But I think there's a lot of schools that maybe that's not part of the culture and it, like mm -hmm. just not being afraid to ask. Like it would, you know, the worst I can say is no, right? Exactly. <laughs> I was so fortunate it was built in for me um, and I didn't have to seek that opportunity. But knowing now, I would have tried to seek that opportunity earlier. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, okay. Well, one thing I wanted to chat about is uh, you have... Obviously, you have your sixth grade students and um, you have co-teachers and small groups and all of those things. So could we just chat a little bit about your planning and what that looks like um, so that you, you know, you're very successful in the classroom and very confident in the classroom. Um, so what do you do before you get there with students and what does that look like for you? A good question. Uh, <laughs> it definitely looks different every day. But the maneuvering, the middle resources have definitely like streamlined it for me. So I'd say there are some planning periods where I'm focused on planning for my small group lesson. Uh -huh. um, and uh, I might be deciding, you know, just on a set of problems I want to do for practice with them. I might be finding, um, you know, I'm trying to think, I, I might just be using the student handouts and mm -hmm. deciding like, okay, I'm going to give a mini lesson on this particular skill from the student handouts. And we're just going to do it at the small group instead of the whole group. Um, so it can definitely just keep it simple when you're planning for these small groups, because it can honestly just be a very brief mini lesson. It could be just a handful of problems you want to watch them do in front of you. Um, so I guess the the first thing I think of is what am I trying to accomplish at the small group? Like introduce new concept, remediate, practice 
mm-hmm. skills that were just taught. Um, and then as far as the maneuvering the middle materials, um, streamlining things for me, um, I, I love to sift through all the activities that come with it, such as the scavenger hunts and the task cards and performance tasks, because a lot of those are great for students to be doing either at the same time or when they're not with a small group. Yeah, that's a really great point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, purposeful planning for kids not at the small group, like you said earlier, that helps not only with management, but also that they're getting good practice as well. Exactly. And I'll usually type up a little list on my daily Google slide agenda so mm-hmm. they know exactly what they should be working on when they're not with me. And then you don't have that question a hundred times, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which yes. is always great. Um, I I also like put a lot of my, you know, maneuvering the middle materials onto Schoology during that time, especially the the digital activities and the digital Google form exit tickets. Um, I might, you know, spend my planning time sifting through the results of the exit tickets. Uh, I do have a couple pro tips for those. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, so I add a question onto the exit ticket that asks them their class period, and then I can just sort really quickly by class. And then I also change the setting so they can see which problems are marked correct and incorrect, but not the correct solution. Yes. So that, um, you know, it, it depends on how you're using the exit tickets. A lot of times I tell them, try again if you didn't get a perfect score. Um, other times you could change the setting to just one attempt. And if they, they don't get the score that you want, then there's, you know, there's something you can work on with them on, in small groups. For the Google Slides, sometimes I will pick just one of the four pages to grade for accuracy, and I'll print that slide. And students that didn't demonstrate mastery on it, that's what they'll work with me on in their small group. So we can have conversations about, you know, the misconceptions that they had on that assignment. So sometimes I'll spend my planning period going through the results of those digital assessments and activities. I love that you just said, you know, they didn't see success here. So I just printed the same thing that they had worked on. And now we're going to address the misconceptions because I think sometimes it's easy to think, okay, they didn't have success. So I need to start at the beginning (laughs) or I need to start over. Um, But a lot of it can just be a small misconception that once it's addressed, like, oh, okay, the light bulb has gone off, you know? Exactly. And sometimes it's just, I'm thinking of a recent experience. Sometimes they just read the problem and say, oh. I calculated the mean on that and it said median and they actually don't need my help. <laughs> you know, yes, it, yes. It, it could be so simple. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Marissa, you have been super helpful. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, just sharing with teachers. I know that it always is encouraging to hear um, just from someone that is, you know, using the same resources and working um, with students and just, being creative. You know, I think that sometimes when we're tired or we've been kind of maxed out, our creativity has kind of, you know, it's not on full force. So I think you're providing a lot of ideas for those that are listening. And I really appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you for all of the work that you guys do, because I cannot, I cannot imagine these last four years without the curriculum. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Um, have a great day. Thanks, Marissa. Thank you. Wasn't that so fun? I just love hearing from teachers about their classrooms and all the unique ways that they're using different resources and reaching their students. So again, thank you, Marissa, for coming on the show. And listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. 
If you don't want to miss future episodes, please take a minute to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you're tuning in. Our Maneuvering the Middle team is loving the new format, and we are hopeful that these give you ideas that spur you on to do the great work in your classroom. Your downloads, rating, and general enthusiasm helps keep us going. For all of the links, resources, and freebies mentioned in this this episode, check out maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode 24. I'm Noelle Pickering, and you've been listening to the Good Morning Teacher Podcast. Until next time, friends, make it a great week.